This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Good Things, the show where we talk to good people who are doing good things. I'm Dashran Johan. Friend and Arts was founded in 2016 by Edmund Lim and Sook Yi to help disadvantaged young people discover and develop their creative potential through visual arts. But what exactly does that mean? And I'm very um, curious and eager to find out. So joining me on today's show is Edmund Lim himself. Welcome to the show, Edmund. How are you? Hi, Dashun. I'm good. And thanks for having me here. Uh, and BFM, thanks for, you know, hosting this. So let's just get to know your organization. What is Friend and Arts exactly? What is it all about? It's about what you said just now. Um, it, we, we are looking at uh, communities which are severely underserved. Um, so we call them disadvantaged young people. But there are so many different categories of people like that. Um, and there are many ways we can help. The path that we're on uh, is around visual arts because we think everyone has an uh, element of creative potential in themselves. It's figuring out how that can be unlocked and, and developed over time. Right. So let's get, um, you know, go back to 2016 or perhaps even before 2016. What inspired you to launch Friend and Arts? Like, what was that moment which made you go, okay, I need to do this? It was really my second son. Hmm. Uh, his name is Brandon. So when Brandon was born, he had a severe uh, neurological uh, rare disorder called spinal muscular atrophy. Mm -hmm. What SMA does is it takes away his ability to control his muscles. He has a severe form of the disease, so it's very debilitating and it's progressive. So it actually gets worse over time. In his early years, we knew, we all obviously were struggling uh, with this condition and it is terminal. Right. But for such a young child, right, and he's a baby then, uh, how, how are we going to help him deal with it? So we originally started with using uh, therapy, obviously, to try to keep him uh, using his muscles as much as possible to maintain his function. I, I of course, tried to do a lot more active things like sport, right. uh, throwing balls and all that. But honestly, it, did very, it didn't work very well because the condition is progressive, right? Mm -hmm. So he, he starts to feel quite quickly there are things that, he could do before, like he could throw the ball that far now he can't. Right. So we had to find some other way. And my wife, Sui, was the one that introduced him to art to help him, you know, keep making use of his hands. But at the same time, do something which is able to be creative. And we didn't have any uh, real plan around what that meant. But in those early years, we could see, especially during the times when he was really struggling uh, because of sickness, and pain and all that, that you could see how the visual work he was doing helped him to express himself. Because for a child that young, you know, he doesn't have the vocabulary yet, right? Or, or the concepts to understand what's happening to him. Right. But through colors, through paint, through shapes, through whatever he's imagining and putting it down the paper, being able to see it, we really could feel from him that it was helping him, helping mm -hmm. him cope helping him find some right. sense of purpose and being positive. Uh, and, and that's how it started. It's really from us with him originally really playing around with paint, right? Um, but seeing much more in terms of its impact on his life and his well-being. 
Right. Now, I'm curious, Edmund, um, you know, there are many parents who uh, may have kids who are disabled um, and they go through tremendously tough times, um, you know, um, to, to really uh, maneuver the, the, the society and, and all of that, right? But not many people get inspired to then help other people, right? What is it that prompted you and your wife to say, okay, um, you know, my son is going through this. I found a way to perhaps um, help him a little bit. I um, mean, that is art. But what made you go, I want to share this with other people. I want to get other kids who have disabilities involved as well. Brandon wants friends, to be honest. So, <laughs> so it did start from him, like, you know, I just don't want to be doing this alone. Right. You know, I would like to be doing it with friends. So mm. uh, very early on, uh, there, there was a couple, two couples who very generously hosted some, you know, art sessions right. uh, at an ice cream shop. And, and Brandon himself was obviously thrilled, right, because from his condition, you know, he can't go to school, he's got very few friends, but, you know, that was a chance to be, for him to be in his element that he's comfortable with mm. uh, and to meet friends as well. Uh, and of course, the friends that we hosted, you know, some are typical, many uh, have some form of disability or rare condition. But we, we, when you see how, you know, through that process of just being able to be expressing themselves in a way which is very free, uh, you, you do see that change, right? And when you, do, when you find the child starting to find some meaning in a very messy you know, situation they're in, to be honest, right? Because they are still struggling to figure out what's happening in their lives. Right. You know, you, you, can, you, you get that sense of, of purpose, I think, and a sense of meaning. And when it sort of revolves, I guess, around, you know, uh, your own child, uh, we don't really see it as, oh, we're going beyond. <laughs> it just right. became a, quite a natural extension of what we do uh, and growing it, right? Because, you know, it's, it's Tim and his friends, if you look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Why are specifically um why do you think artistic expression is important it comes back to i think those early days that mm. i mentioned when you know when he's going through so much and honestly even us as parents going through a lot right sometimes you really lack the uh, vocabulary to be able to really express right what you're feeling you know sometimes you don't even know what words actually work um and and art has this I, you know, two two things. I, I think for one, it is so accessible, right? You don't need to be able to know the alphabets to be able to, to do art, right? But if you need to say something, speak and share and all that, you need to have language, right? So you've got to have a lot of building blocks to express yourselves with language. But with art, you you have a piece of paper, it's blank, and you can start to already create something, right? You don't even need to hold a brush, right? You could actually dip your finger in some paint or and start to do something. So, so it's so accessible. Right. And, and I think it's so free, right? So when a child, let's say, and for those with disabilities or learning disabilities or lack of condition, uh, uh, those don't have to be obstacles anymore, mm-hmm. right? Because art just lets them still uh, express themselves in their own unique way, right? right? In their own creative ways. And in ways that probably we can't even do ourselves, but yet when they do it, it's just incredibly beautiful, incredibly moving. So I think art has the ability to really be able to cut across what we think are obstacles to expression uh, and then immediately connect with you know, that person inside and what they want to share with us. Earlier you mentioned that you know the 
it's not just, it is incredibly challenging for Brandon and for, you know, children with disabilities. But there's another dimension which perhaps um, also needs to be discussed, which is how challenging things could be for parents. Can you um, contextualize that for us a little bit? The par- as parents, when you have a child, you know, we, we obviously dream of, you know, all, all the best things for your child. Mm. Uh, and the dreams that you have will be the typical dreams, right? Uh, which is, you know, getting to school, meeting friends, you know, and then settling down, having family, you know, as you think longer and longer term. Right. Uh, but when you're a child with a disability or rare condition, everything gets shattered, mm. right? Whatever simple things that you thought, like, you know, one of the things that hit me, you know, when I was young, uh, well, sorry, not when I was, well, not when I was, when Brandon was young, you know, <laughs> was, well, I could see the excitement of my older son, Jaden, having a younger sibling, because right. for him, it was like, yay, I get to kick the football with him, I get to go and play, I'm going to get, you know, all the things that I want to do, and as a dad, so that's what you want, like, yeah, we're going to go to the park, play some football, play some games, right. and guess what, you know, that goes away, mm. and, and, before you know it, depending on the severity of the recondition and disability, a lot more things fall away, right? And where, wherever you originally thought your life would end up or could go has changed. And it has changed to some place that you don't even know where it's headed, right? right. Because sometimes you're surprised, sometimes it gets a whole lot worse, sometimes there's actually no end in sight, or no destination that you can even find. Hmm. Um, so so that's, that's challenging from that, that point of view, which is whatever you thought your life could be has just been thrown up in the air and just, you know, shredded. Then you got to sort of fit everything back all, all again. And how do you do that? How did you and your wife do that? Um, how did you all um, sort of, like you said, let go of those um, ideas that it's natural for every parent to have, um, you know, and, and come up with new ideas and overcome those challenges? How did you all do it? For us, the first thing was to accept it. Mm. I, I think that's not the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us, it, was, it, it really started with just really accepting it. Fortunately for us, I, I can't really tell you how it happened, right? Uh, right. It happened, thankfully, very quickly. Mm. So within the first week of um, Brandon being diagnosed, so we knew what we are up against, where we had so many questions and very few answers. Uh, I, I just reached a point, you know, I spent a whole week, day and night trying to research and trying to find some sort of map, right? Some sort mm-hmm. of template to say, okay, we're going to get out of this and this is what we're going to do and realize, ah, there's no way I can do this. <laughs> so I just put my hand up. Uh, so, you know, put our hand up and say, aha, we need help. Right. <laughs> Guess what happened? <laughs> our life has completely changed. We don't know what's going to happen and we right. have no clue what and how we're going to do stuff. We need help. So that triggered acceptance, knowing that whatever mm. we thought and whatever we hoped we would get to, we're not going to get there. Right. Let's start again and then just take one step at a time. Right. Let's go for a very quick break. On the show with me today is Edmund Lim. He's the founder or co-founder of Friend and Arts. We will continue our conversation after these messages. Keep it here on Good Things, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Good Things. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is Edmund Lim. He's the co-founder of Friend and Arts. So, Edmund, um, 
You know, earlier you talked about um, some of the challenges you faced um, as parents, how you overcome it, how you overcame it. I'm, I'm also wondering, when you look at, um, let's say, Malaysia as a whole, right, what do you think of uh, Malaysia in terms of um, the general understanding or awareness when it comes to inclusivity, um, specifically when it comes to disabled um, people, disabled children, um, the, the level of awareness, and also when it comes to just broader policies. Um, are, are we doing enough as a country to be inclusive um, f- towards disabled people? The, the way I look at it is, you know, when, when you look at the uh, statistics uh, around the world, you, you're going to find that the percentage of people who have some sort of disability will probably be, be much higher than what a typical person would expect, right? And right. the figures quoted are, you know, 10, 15%. Right. So you look at one in 10 people. Mm-hmm. And for me, the simple litmus test in Malaysia is if you go out, do you see one in 10 people with a you know, disability who's, uh, you know, part of community, doing things as part of community? Um, so there's two links to that. You know, are, right. are they around doing stuff in the community? And of course, some disabilities are obvious. I think generally, the answer would be no, not quite so. Mm-hmm. And you can look at different databases, which is you know how many companies, how many people with disabilities are hired, etc. And you find that I think consistently across whether it's government, public, uh, sport, arts, you know everything else the participation rate for someone with a disability is very, very low. Right. So, so for me, right, that's just uh, evidence that points towards some things are, have much room for improvement because they're not participating in society, right? And they can, and they should. Absolutely. They may not be participating in the same way as you and me, but there are many other ways in which we can find what their strengths are and to be accommodative of their needs. And being accommodative of their needs is being making sure that as you know, society itself, whether it's physical or non-physical obstacles, that you know, it is inclusive. Um, so just looking at the general field, I think, and just being around, whether it's work or play or recreation, I, I think we've got some way to go. And, and one of the things you know, for me, when I'm thinking if I put my advocacy hat on, mm-hmm is the rights of people with disabilities, you know, has to be strong, it has to be protected, has to be fair, yeah. it has to be effective, you know. Um, and when you look at some of the regulations that we have in Malaysia, they, they don't really have teeth. So they right. might be obviously in the right direction, trying to promote the right things. But when its implementation doesn't have enough uh, strength to make change happen, right. not only to the level that we need, but also the speed that which things are needed, um, then there's room for improvement. Absolutely. So with that in mind, um, let's circle back to Frendon Arts. What are some of the key programs and initiatives um, that you guys um, do that attempts to bridge this gap? Because like you said, there's, Malaysia has a long way to go. There are a lot of gaps. It's not a very inclusive society, uh, you know, in that sense. It's not a society that necessarily empowers um, people with disabilities. Um, talk to me about the programs and, and, and initiatives um, by, that Frendon Arts um, engages in that tries to bridge these gaps and empower disabled people. When we first started, uh, we, we focused uh, more on uh, events. 
Right. And the idea behind events was quite simple, which is come out, right? Uh, whether it's come out to be seen, uh, to obviously display your art because that's the area we're in, right? Visual mm-hmm. arts. Um, so events would be twofold, whether it's, uh, so on one hand would be art exhibitions. So we would try to get as many um, young people uh, with interest in art and have done artwork to come out and exhibit right right uh and be seen right C- come out show people tell your stories right don't, don't hide away so very much event driven and some of the other events were more events that we conceived um working with you know organizations were keen to promote uh, diversity and inclusion uh, so we come up with events that have that element uh, and where possible, we would hire uh, young people or families with disabilities to say, hey, why don't you actually help us run some of these events, be part of the event, because it's important for you to show up. Right. Right. If we don't show up, you know, change happens because change doesn't happen because no one sees you. Mm. Right. No one knows you. No one then accommodates you or includes you. So we started off with, you know, events like that first to, to give them, you know, opportunity to sell their artwork, you know, to, to pack their voices. And in certain other cases as well, even make a difference in giving back to society with you know, some of the artwork they sell, they share a, pro- a percentage towards uh, non-profit causes. So, so that was how we, we first started. Right. Um, and then we realized that's very, uh, you know, at the time, we, you know, so he and I were very busy also with nonprofit work. So there was very limited time to also focus on doing events. It did take a, take a lot of time. Hmm. Um, we also felt it's very one-off, right? You have an event, it goes away. Right. And, and then we had, you know, uh, some organizations who were a lot more forward thinking uh, and said, no, let's not do the one-off sort of thing. Uh, let, let's do something over a year. Mm. Right. And, and then that's, hey, wow, <laughs> they are organizations like you that's brilliant because it's about investing in the future, right? It's about right. making a sustainable change. It's not right. like a one-off thing. Uh, and, and with that in mind, we're thinking, okay, how, how can we, for those, for the people that we help, how can we put them into a program where, it, where we really spend a lot more time, uh, invest a lot more resources, to put them on the journey that hopefully at some point can sustain itself, right? Then we make a difference. So rather than a one-off, it's like if you can upskill, we can do various things and start, and then you start taking off on your life journey, that would be brilliant. Uh, so that's where we started to then go into uh, for what we call the Art for Rare program. So in the Art for Rare program, it's, it's, then, it's then looking at those people who have a passion uh, for visual arts and understand the impact in the positive impact in their lives, you know, what's a program would help to really bring out that creative potential. Um, and, and that's the more recent programs that we're running, you know, it runs for you know six months, eight months through a fairly, you know, ri- not rigorous, but a fairly uh, long-term deeper engagement and program with upskilling to to make a, a more positive difference, uh, you know, a more sustained difference in their lives. So. Right. Uh, out of that as well, um, recently also with the creative works that are being done by uh, 
some of the young people uh, with disabilities and rare conditions. Mm -hmm. uh, we're introducing them to corporates. So now we're getting corporates like Captain Oaks. I'll talk, I can talk about it a bit more later. Right. Uh, they're commissioning some of their work into products and campaigns. And, and that's really where we think things really need to be, which is, you know, people who have been left out and left behind in society, look, they can add value. Absolutely. They can add value and, and they can add commercial value. They can add corporate value. They can add community value. And that's what all of us do, right? You know, that, that's how we build a nation. And, and that's the best thing for them to be, which is you're not a charity case. You're, you're someone that contributes to community. And that's where we're trying to get to like, with, with this sort of program. So um, how do you sort of identify um, um, young people who would benefit from this program or who, or who are allowed to participate in your program? Um, are there sort of um, certain guidelines or criteria or is it, um, are there like certain disabilities um, that you would encourage to join your program or, or so on and so forth? How, how does it work exactly in that sense? We... I guess we do make it a bit harder ourselves <laughs> in terms of who we want to help. So we okay. look at the the more disadvantaged. If you know, I, I know it's not fair to say one person is more right, or less right. disadvantaged. Yeah. Uh, but firstly, there's a level of you know being disadvantaged mm -hmm. or left out, left behind, and and young. You know, so we prefer working with children, young people. Um, so within those uh, classes, then of course, when you're thinking about disadvantage, there's so many categories right? right there's everything from poverty to abuse to you know so many things so where do you start um we started where we're most familiar with because i've got two boys with rare conditions right, right? so that would be a natural place to start and then i've got a younger you know brandon who's younger who's got severe disabilities movement disabilities is very neurodiverse so it's an area where we're in so that's where we started um, so we look at that community. Um, we have our networks within the community, so we open up to those networks within that class. So it's not a strict rule, uh, but generally within those classes um, of young uh, with disabilities and or some serious rare health medical condition. Right. Uh, and then when it's opened up, will be those people who have who are interested. Mm -hmm. uh, because guess what? You know, visual art in the Asian context isn't usually on the top of parents <laughs> or families. But right. so it's just the way it is, right? Uh, and, you know, it won't be the first thing. It's like, yes. So right. firstly, there's an interest and a passion. I think that that has to be there. And the people who will approach us and sign up would generally have it. Mm -hmm. Then it goes to commitment. Um, before, when I mentioned about events, yeah, it's just one-off. But now we're running, you know, months-long programs. You know, you have to show commitment. You have to show commitment to be attending stuff, showing up, doing things over the long term. Right. Uh, so, so that's how we sort of then uh, funnel uh, into people then who will be part of, like, right now, the Art for, Art for Rare program. Can you share um, some success stories uh, or examples of, you know, these young, um, bright children who came to you and, you know, their lives have been significantly improved through the Friend and Arts program? You know, I think all of them have had in some way. So, so if you ask me now, I'm sort of struggling to think which one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let, let, okay, so I, there's a lady, uh, mm -hmm. there's a young lady. Uh, she's actually been, in, you know, working in art 
uh, has an interest and passion art for, for many, many years, like, you know, w- well over 10 years. Um, and she's part of the Art for, Rare, Art for Rare program. And we've seen her work before, we've saw this potential. Uh, and because she's doing it for so long, and then, you know, um, we're wondering where she's headed with it. Uh, she's never really participated in group of exhibitions, you know, done corporate commissions in a big way, you know, hasn't had a solo art exhibition. And and early earlier this year, Brandon, uh, is, you know, he wasn't even 13 then, you know, he had a solo art exhibition. <laughs> no, we didn't think he could do it, but, you know, one thing led to another and say, hell, wow, right, you had your own, your own solo, uh, you know, he was very successful, you know, he sold out. But I, I think these things helped you know this young lady to we have seen a uh, an upswing after you know as part of this program that she's on that she's now you know going to be part of group exhibitions you know, she's doing commissioned work she's planning her own solo exhibition next year you know for me that's a big step right because if you think of the many years that she's been working in art right, she's now really ramping up and making it you know something She's just going out there and saying, look, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to really make this something. Uh, I'm, I'm really going to commit to this. So, so that for me was, was really happy to see uh, because we've known her for so long. And then now we see this big upswing. And then there's, there's another younger, ch- uh, uh, a younger boy. Right. Um, so he's been part of the Art for Rare program. And that program has actually ended. But the mom saw enough benefits, not only for him, but for the family. And, and she's not committing to extend the program with the artists that is part of our program uh, by herself. Right. So we, we see that it, it's obviously made a change, right? right it's obviously absolutely. made you know, a change in their lives. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the nice stories from that boy is, is that, you know, as one of the uh, special schools that he's, he's in, he's been selected to present his artwork to, you know, Hannah Yo. You know, wow. and the mom's really proud of that. Yeah, like, wow. that's amazing. You know, yeah, and she's proud. He's, you know, it's 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 just great, right? It's it's like, you know, you you you're doing something. You're making an impact. You know, mm-hmm. you're going somewhere. You're believing in yourself. Uh, and and you know, I can keep going on. But <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really wonderful to hear of you know these you know, these individuals, um, you know, these young kids who really have their life transformed. It's really wonderful work um, that you guys are doing at Frandon Arts. So for those listening, how can individuals or organisations get involved and support you guys, support Frandon Arts um, and the mission um, that you guys are going on? I'm I'm thinking of individuals first. Um, Right now with the artwork, you know, there's artwork for sale. There's original artwork for sale. There's prints for sale. Uh, and then we're developing merchandise as well. Um, so there's easy way for, for individuals to support is, is to buy, right? Uh, it's to support by buying some of these, you know, incredible products uh, that they create. We always need some help. So of course, you know, people can volunteer, be great. But a simple thing to do is, is also, you know, to share, right? To share that this is possible, to share that people of share about Friend and Arts and what we're doing so that we can keep extending the program and, and growing the cohorts of you know young people with rare conditions and disabilities that we can support. Um, as, as for organizations, I think that's also really uh, there's a lot of potential there. You know, in the early days we did 
quite a number of CSR events. Uh, and some of our the people, the organization that we've worked with, they are obviously names that people recognize and you can see them on our website. Um, and with these sort of events, it you know it, it's it's positive because you know, holding event, you can raise a lot of awareness, whether it's at organizational level or if the events are bigger than that, you know, that, and that's a big help already, right? You know, to be able to host an event together with us um, because awareness, you know, you can't have enough awareness. Um, and one of the examples now is, uh, have you heard of Captain Oates? Oh, yes. Ah, okay. <laughs> so, so Captain Oates uh, is working with us in partnership and actually just launched this week. <laughs> so this is quite right. timely. Uh, so if you go to their social media, uh, um, you will find that they've, they've launched uh, uh, a, a campaign okay. to raise awareness for rare diseases. But beyond that, mm-hmm. they've taken you know a much more strategic view in making a difference. So right. they have... So as part of the campaign, you will find two tote bags uh, with designs actually done by... Uh, students in our Art for Rare program. Wow. So it's how creative work can be turned into products, which look absolutely, you know, it's, it's very, very nice. You know, and these things, and guess what, right? When you have, when you buy these things, you're also making a difference. Right. So it's not just buying something that looks great, that's, you know, great utility and, you know, great product value, uh, but you're also making a difference. So, so organizations like that, working at a much deeper level, to procure, whether either procuring products or creative design from us or working in partnership because that generates value. And I think it also changes the mindset, right? And, and I, you know, I think Captain Oates gets it, which is like, no, we're not here to just give. Right? That's simple. I can just give you stuff and you, you know, but I'm investing in your future. Right. right? And, and I think it's that mindset change that corporates can really... Uh, can really make it, uh, you know, an even bigger difference than, than giving. It's, you know, it's not the giving is unimportant. I think what if you could raise the level, which is investing in people's future, investing in the beneficiaries and, you know, on the value that they can bring to community and society and being productive and making a difference not only to themselves, but in other ways, that's very powerful. Indeed. And Edmund, before we wrap this conversation up, would you have a final message for us? Yes, we have an event coming up on the 18th of November, and it's going to run from the 18th of November, uh, so 18th of November to the 3rd of December. Right. It's at GMBB. Mm-hmm. So the program that I talked about earlier, the Art for Rare program, uh, all, all the young artists uh, mm-hmm. are going to graduate. Oh, they're going to that's graduate exciting. In a big way. <laughs> yeah. They're going to graduate in a big way. So they're going to have a public art exhibition of all their works, right? Mm. And, and the exhibition is for them to really celebrate, you know, their creativity and really the courage, right? They really courage, their courage to come out and tell their stories because in each of the artwork, because of the lives they live and because of the conditions that, you know, uh, that they have to overcome, you know, there's, there's a lot of incredible stories of, you know, healing that I think as, you know, you and I, that we could find something of meaning uh, and hopefully also be inspired by some of their life stories. Um, You can find details, you know, in our website, 
It's uh, friendandarts.com. So I know that's a bit of a mouthful, but <laughs> if you think of friend and then E-N, so friendandarts with an S.com, uh, there's a button there with events and you can find more details there. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's the best way, you know, to really experience things firsthand in terms of the artwork, meeting the families and really touching and feeling some of their merchandise and their creative designs. So it's just being firsthand, you know, to, to see what it's like. Absolutely. And we will also add that, um, you know, that website that um, Edmund just mentioned in the podcast description below. Um, Thank you so much, Edmund. This was a really wonderful uh, conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Stefan. That was Edmund Lim. He's the co-founder of Friendin Arts. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan, and this has been Good Things, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.